Guys, I want to talk to you a little bit today about kiddos. But one thing that I want to say to you is that if you're in the room this morning, by show of hands, who in the room does not have kids? Can I see your hands? Okay, this is not your opportunity to check out, all right? Because there's going to be a whole lot of information that I think you'll find useful if you stay with me, all right? It's stuff that's important for the future of not just our church here at River Rock, but the future of the church, period. There's a sad statistic that's often quoted. It says 85% of teens, when they leave home, simultaneously leave the church. 85% of of teens, so this is churched teens, 85% of church teens, when they leave home, they simultaneously leave the church. So the stakes are high for the future of our church in this country. And unless we want to see what we have been seeing in the European church, these giant, gorgeous cathedrals, monuments to God that have become essentially museums. Something needs to change. We're going to talk about some of those things today. There's a quote by Ray Orland, and I want to uh, read it here so I don't mess it up. He's a pastor out of Tennessee and an author, and he says, We are always one generation away from total ignorance of the gospel, profound spiritual darkness, and the strong triumph of evil. We're just one generation away from that. And guys, I want to encourage you today. Today's not going to be a a heavy lesson for you. I want to encourage you. There is hope for your children and your future children if you don't have kids. Your classmates, if you're enrolled in high school or Southwestern University, there's hope for them. And I want to help give you that hope to take to them today. Amen? You may be wondering what's up with the big Home Depot bucket here, right? For extra points, who knows Home Depot's little slogan that says what? You can, you can do it, we can help. And guys, you can raise the next generation of world changers for Christ. You can do it, and the church can help you do it. So we're going to talk, be talking about a whole different type of home improvement today, if you will. And I brought some tools along with me uh, to help bear that out to you as a visual aid, Okay. So here are some realities. You are the number one influencer of your children, and this is you. This is a tool bag, and we're going to fill this up with tools today, but you are the greatest influencer of your children. Study after study shows that. Most moms and dads think that once a kid gets like into middle school, that their influence is just gone, and I'm going to tell you that's a lie. You are the number one influencer of your children, and you will be for a considerable amount of time, so you can't check out. So the other slogan of Home Depot is, let's do this, okay? Let's be parents, let's be classmates, let's be church members that change the world through our kids, because we can do it. No other human being is going to have as much impact on your kids as you will. No other human being on planet Earth. And the good news is, is that it's supposed to be that way. God designed us that way as parents and children. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. I'm just going to read this off to you here. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Repeat them to your children. Repeat them to your children. 
Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lay down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Repeat them to your children. You want to know a great tool, a great resource the church can help you with? It's the Word of God. The Word of God. Our church has a one-year read-through-the-Bible plan. Every week it's in your bulletin. You can look in there and see. If you just read this chapter on this day in a year, you'll be done reading the Bible. Then you can start all over again. The Bible's full of deep truths, guys. It's full of truths that you'll read over them 20 times, and on the 21st time you'll go, Pastor, I can't believe, did you know that this was in here? It'll pop out at you because the Holy Spirit will illuminate the Word of God to you. I know some of you have experienced that very thing. So the Word of God is a powerful, powerful resource for you to lead your children and guide them with. Put that in your tool bag. Put that in your heart. Isn't that what the Scripture said? In your heart. There's more to that verse, and we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. This is another little example that while this isn't the exact Word of God, how many of you know what this is? The Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay, my family and I have had this since my son, my oldest son, who's Samuel. You guys know him since he was little, little, little bitty. And we've been reading it to him. We've had to glue the pages back into the binding. It's covered in, like, clear packing tape. I know you can't see that from here. Pages have gotten ripped, and we've carefully, you know, Sam wrote his name in there, and, and we've carefully and lovingly taped them back in. But this is a great resource. I don't got time to tell you how special this is. You can read this, and you will learn things from it. This is great. Jesus Storybook Bible. Look that up, okay, moms and dads. Jesus Storybook Bible. Another good resource for you and your kids to help lead them with the Word of God. You know what's even better than the Word of God? You notice anything about that scripture? Can you put Deuteronomy back up there for me? You notice anything here beginning after verse 7? What do you see? Tell me what you see there. Life. This isn't something that like, hey, we have this one time of the day that we sit down and talk about God's word. And the kids know when it's coming and moan, moan, grumble, grumble. You know, it's not that. It's, it's, it's all the time you're talking to them with spiritual conversations. You're talking to them about the word of God. Okay? If you want to raise disciples of Christ, you must have a lifestyle of discipleship. It's got to be part of your life. That's why it said, put it in your heart. It didn't say, take these words and then go, go read them to your kids. First it said, put it in your heart. And then it said, repeat them to your children. Repeat them to your children. God's given you some wonderful information in the word of God to lead your kids and to guide them. And we need to be giving him our full attention, our full affection, our full allegiance. And that's the good news. That's actually literally and figuratively the good news. The bad news is that the world is also competing for your affection and your allegiance and your attention, and it's pulling you away from that. And here is something that can be good and scary at the same time. It's reality number two. Reality number two, guys, parents are always making disciples. You are always making disciples. You're sitting here this morning maybe saying, I don't even know Maybe what a disciple is, Stephen. How can I always be making disciples? You're always leading and pointing your kids towards something. Disciples reproduce in kind. Do you know what that means? It means apple trees produce apples and orange trees produce oranges. 
And disciples of the world produce disciples of the world. Disciples of Christ produce disciples of Christ. What kind of disciple are you making? What is filling your heart? What is filling your mouth when you speak to your kids? What are you talking about when you lie down and when you get up and when you're along the way? Discipleship is a powerful resource. Guys, if you want to be a disciple, you, I'm sorry, if you want to make disciples, you must first be a disciple of Christ. You understand that? You can't, you can't lead your children where you have not been willing to go. And so discipleship is a powerful resource. I can't spend as much time as I would love to spend on this topic, but I'll just tell you guys, disciple makers help teach you the word of God. They help encourage you. They spend time with you. They pray for you. They spend time at the foot of the throne praying for you and for your soul. They hold you accountable so that you can be more effective at following Christ. And when you're following Christ and you're being changed by Christ and you are committed to the mission of Christ, you are a disciple. And so one of the things I want to put into your tool bag today, I want you guys to look on the back of your connection card. On the back here, there is a section right under my next step today, and it says, find a formal discipleship relationship. Please contact me. I just want you to check that box. You're not writing this in blood today. This isn't a contract. We're not going to, like, hunt you down and hound you. But what we will do is if you will check that box and you have never known what it is to be in a formal discipleship relationship, you are in for a treat. And we want to help connect you to people who would love the opportunity to disciple you and lead you, as we sang, to the cross. To lead you in a life of obedience to Christ. So check that box and put this in the tray when it passes you today. But discipleship is awesome. Put that into your toolbox. You need to be a disciple of Christ if you want to make disciples of Christ. All right? Put that in your toolbox. As we've already discussed, if you are tempted to walk in the ways of the world, if the world's pulling you, it's fighting you 24 hours a day, and it wants the influence of your heart, and it won't stop. And the only effective way, guys, ladies, listen to me, the only effective way I have found to deny the world entrance into my heart is not just to shut the world out. It is to fill my heart with things so full of God that there is no more room in here for the things of the world. Do you understand? You can't just deny the world entrance. It's going to get in. But if when it tries to knock on your door and the Holy Spirit answers the door and says, uh, no, thank you, and shuts it, that's how you don't let the world influence you. When you take the word of God and you plant it deep into your soul, something miraculous can happen, guys. And if I claimed to be able to describe to you exactly how it works, I'd be lying to you because I don't fully understand it. Allow God into your heart, not just to inform you. Do you understand? This is not here to inform you and just tell you about God. This is here to transform you to transform you. Look at what Romans 12.2 says. It says, do not be conformed to this age, but be what? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God is. Guys, those of you who have kids know this already. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Your kids don't do what you tell them to do. Your kids do what they see you doing. Someone has said more is caught than is taught. 
how you walk out your walk with Christ in front of your kids is infinitely more important than what you just tell them to do. And this is why if you're looking for a church based on the size or the quality of its kids program or its youth group, and you think you can drop your kids off, go learn about Jesus. It's going to be great. Come back changed. Love you. That will not work. Statistics are telling us about 85% of the time. You have to seek out transformation. You have to seek out you being the greatest influencer in their life, being given the mantle of responsibility over this little soul to raise it and disciple it. You have to be discipled. You have to be transformed. And when that happens, when your heart is broken over your own sin, Guys, when you become convinced of your own inadequacy to raise and disciple your children, humility will wash over your heart. And you will stop saying, God, change my kids. And you will start saying, God, change me. Start with me, Jesus. Make me the discipler of my children that you have designed me to be. And I can't do it without you. I need you to help me. That's a prayer that will get answered. And when you do that, your kids will see you change. They will see your priorities. They will see you make gathering with the body of Christ on Sunday a priority. They will see you gathering with your smaller groups during the week and making it a priority. They will see you serving others selflessly and making it a priority. They will see you loving people with the grace of God and forgiving people with a forgiveness that they didn't think was possible. And when they lay you in the ground, your kids will say to the people, I am a man or a woman of God today because my mom and my dad showed me what it meant to follow Jesus. You hold the tools for changing your children. Amen? I need an amen every now and again, guys. You know, preach it, brother. <laughs> the Word of God talks about this. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17, I just want to stop at the first comma. What's it say? This is Paul talking to believers, and he says what? Come on, y'all got to have some coffee or something this morning. Join in imitating me. Join in imitating me what it says. Paul says, first look at me. He's confident enough in his own walk with God, and he's saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm being transformed. I'm on the way. Follow me. Moms, dads, that's the first step, is you, okay? What's the second step? And observe those who live according to the example you have in us. So look at me, and then look at these other people of God, what they're doing. That's reality number three. The examples your kids need are found in the family of God. Guys, 85% of kids don't leave home and leave church because they lose faith in God. An interesting fact that backs that up is that when you look at the stats, 85% of them may walk away from the church when they graduate high school, but you know what? A fair number of them end up coming back to church. Anybody want to guess when they come back to church? When they have kids. 
Now, why, hmm, hmm, why would we do that? Because we know deep down broccoli is good for us, but we don't want to eat it. But our kids should eat it. We know deep down this is where it's at. But we don't want to be changed. We don't want to be disciples of Christ. We just want our kids to do that because we want what's best for them. Amazing. Guys, kids lose faith in the church, and they often do it because they've never seen faith authentically lived out in their homes and in their own church community. We have to learn that with our kids and where we're taking them to be fed by the church, to stop thinking programmatically and start thinking relationally. I'll say that again because this is a big problem in this country. Stop thinking programmatically about what youth group and, and, and what program is going to be best for your kids and start thinking relationally about the men and women who are the saints of the church gathered with you in your body and which of those men and women are going to be the next spiritual godparent to your kids, the next adopted aunt and uncle who can speak into your kid's life. The church has these people in this room this morning for your kids. And that relationship with someone they can trust and run to, guys, that is where it's at. That's what your kids need. Listen to this quote by Bobby Harrington. He's kind of a discipleship guru. He says, 20-somethings who are seeking God in our experience are not looking for the best show in town. They want authentic faith communities in which people practice what they preach and visibly display the grace of the gospel to one another and to the world. Those are wise words. When's the last time you looked around the room and you said, my kids need another mentor? Who can I help position them with? Who can I plan a play date with intentionality? Because y'all know this to be true. You know, a dad can say, hey, look, I don't do that, son. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. And the kid will go, okay, and he'll go do it. And then he'll go over and visit his buddy's house if he survived that first encounter. And then his buddy's house, his dad will go, you know, son, you ought to not do that. That's a bad idea. And he'll come home and go, dad, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore because so-and-so's dad said it was a bad idea. I, I don't know why that works that way. Maybe it's just to keep you humble, to remind you that as a parent, you need others. Your kids need to hear from other parents. Look, when... When my wife says, hey, I'm taking the kids and we're going to the pool with Miss Aragon and her kids, I said, yes, yes. Because that's a family of God whom I know. And I know they will invest in my children. And I know when my kids are being a knucklehead, they'll tell them you're being a knucklehead. And I know that when they need encouragement and they'll say, you can do it. Come on, pick your chin up. It's going to be okay. You can do it. And I know that later in life, when they're 16 or they're 17 or they're 18 and they're terrified to tell mom and dad about something, they might go talk to Janine Aragon. They might go talk to Steve Aragon. Relationships. Now, here's the, the thing about relationships. I'm going to give you a little example. Legos. We have about 5 billion of these on the floor in my house. Legos are interesting. They only have so many connectors on them. When these connectors get full, there's no more room for any more connections. Back in the day, they'd call that your dance card. 
Your kids are going to make connections, whether you want them to or not, with people that you may not want them to make connections with. That's going to happen. And in fact, if you're raising them right as a man and woman of God, they need to be making connections with people who need Jesus and may not be the best examples for them. They're going to take up some of those connections. You need to make sure some of their other friends come from your body of Christ some brothers and sisters whom they can look to to see a good example. And what's even more important than that, they're going to want those aunts and uncles that hold deep biblical truths in their life and they hold relationship equity with them and they form that foundation to shore them up and give them a firm place to stand when deep and hard questions come their way. Relationships matter. Put those in your toolbox at this church. At River Rock Bible Church, we want to give you relationships and we want to give you resources. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about some of those that are right here on Sunday mornings. Okay? We'll start with our children's ministry. Where is Lauren at? Lauren, would you stand up for us? The biggest hand clap of praise you got in you right now. Lauren leads our children's ministry. If you serve in children's ministry in any capacity, would you stand at this time? Thank you. Thank you for letting me embarrass you. We've got a few pictures. Y'all could just scroll through a few of those if you want to. Guys, each and every morning, your kids, while we're in here, they're in there. And they're being poured into by some volunteers who love your kids. I asked Lauren, give me some input for parents. What would you say to parents that maybe uh, you might think that, that, that they thought that you were being self-serving or something like that, and you don't want to tell them yourself because I'll tell them. And, and she said, number one, bring your, I'm going to read it from these directly because I, I don't want to misquote her, bring your kids to kids' church. That's so deep, Lauren. I love that. Do I need to repeat that because of its complexity? Bring your kids to kids' church. Why? So they can make some of those relationships, right? Bring your kids to kids' church. And she says, this one's deep too, bring them every week to kids' church. Bring them every week. But my kid cries whenever I take him in there. They'll get over it. But my kid doesn't want to be in there. He wants to be in here with me. They'll get over it. Since when is the kid in charge at home? If the kid is that in charge at home, I, that's a different sermon, isn't it, Charlie? We'll teach that some other time. When I get to my house and my kid, but dad, I don't want to eat Brussels sprouts. Boy, that's great information. Thanks for sharing that with me. <laughs> yum, yum. Why? Because it is, say it with me, good for you. Bring your kids to kids' church. Bring your kids to kids' church regularly. And she says consistency is key. Consistency is key. Why? Because that's how kids were designed. Listen, if you're coming and bringing your kids just sort of like once a week or, sorry, once a month or like twice a month or something, your kid's getting this flip-flopping thing going on. And kids aren't designed to work that way. Any kindergarten teacher in this room right now will tell you that. Consistency. Sylvia, isn't that right? That's right. Sylvia's an awesome kindergarten teacher. 
Okay, and then lastly, use the resources provided each week. Okay, so on Saturdays, if you're signed up for the, um, the kids' weekly email, if you're not, write that on your connection card. Sign me up for the kids' church weekly email, okay? And she'll make sure that, that you get added to that list. But the kids should be bringing home something that looks like this. If for some reason you're not getting this when you get in the car after church today, you need to ask your kid. Where's your paperwork? Job's not done until the paperwork's done. And on here are some great follow-up questions. Why do you think some people oppose the gospel? What are you willing to risk to tell people about Jesus and why? Can anything stop God's plan? Look at Job 42, verse 2. How does that encourage you to trust and obey him? These are specifically designed to be family discussion starters. It's gift-wrapped for you to talk about his word when you lie down and when you get up and when you go about your way every week. Ask your kids about this and talk to them. And don't settle for what the, uh, the answer I often get. My kids are pastor's kids. What did you talk about in class today? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? It was like five seconds ago. I don't remember. Where's your paperwork? All right? And then you start talking to them about it. And what gets really cool is, is, is if you do this enough, when you take them to see a movie, you'll be able to ask spiritual conversations about a secular movie even. So what do you think about that main character? Why do you think they felt the way they felt? I don't know, Dad. Maybe they need Jesus. Maybe they do. Maybe they're hurting because they don't have Jesus. It'll work. Put the stuff that we give you as resources. We give your kids every week. If you bring your kids every week, put this in your toolbox. It'll be helpful for you. At River Ark, your kids have the opportunity to really be known and discipled. One of the blessings of being a part of a mid-sized or a smaller church, actually, believe it or not, this church nationwide averages to be uh, a mid-sized church. Okay? And... One of the blessings of that is the, the, and somebody can correct me after service if you would, don't embarrass me in front of everybody, but I believe the ideal number for teaching kids is about one to five. No more than that. You want one leader to every five kids, somewhere in that range, I believe. And at River Rock, your kids are going to get that. They're going to get personalized attention from those teachers in there. I want to also talk about our youth ministry, Jack and Bell Crouch. They're not here this morning, so I can't embarrass them, but there they are. They had this other picture they sent me. I said, send me a picture of you guys. And it was them after a pantyhose tug-of-war game. I don't even know what that is that they did with the youth. And they had pantyhose now pulled over their faces. And so I said, can you send me a photo that doesn't make it appear like we've got bank robbers (laughs) running our youth ministry? That would be fabulous. So they sent me this one. They're great. When you see them hug their necks, it's a hard job. You know that if you have parents of teens. All right. There's a few other pictures. You guys can scroll through them. I asked Bella the same question. Tell me what you want me to tell parents. <laughs> and Bell said this. Listen to these because these are short in words, but they're deep. She said, teach them to show up. Teach them to show up. I can't tell you how many young men I deal with that one of the primary problems I have with them is that their yes is not a yes and their no is not a no. We need to be training our young men and our young women that when you say I'm going to be there, you be there. Or you better be dead on the way there. But you keep your word. Faithfulness is something teenagers need to learn. Commitment is something teenagers need to learn. She also said, teach them to serve. Teach them life is not all about them. You think teenagers need to hear that? 
Teach them to serve. She wants to give your kids service opportunities, okay? And she said also teach them to study. And when she said study, she wasn't talking about her grades, although that's good too. But how much effort do we put into having our kids learn their algebra homework, learn their history project? How much effort do we put into them learning and knowing the word of God? Does that one sting a little bit? How many tutors do we hire to teach them the word of God? Miss Bell said, man, teach your kids, and it doesn't take a seminary degree. Start with the table of contents. There's two testaments. There's 66 books. Here's how this works. And if you need help with that, guess what you can do? You can check that box that says discipleship, the back of your card, and someone will meet you where you're at and help lead you so you can lead your kids. Teach your kids to study the word of God. Your kids have the opportunity to not only come to a youth group, but at River Rock, they have the opportunity to be on the ground floor of building a youth group. And what a blessing it would be 20 years from now when they're driving their kids down I-35 and go, see that church over there? I went there when I was your age, and I helped build the youth program at that church. It wasn't all about me. I had a legacy I poured into that. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Wouldn't that be something that's bigger than them? Remember, guys, the church is here to supplement you not as a substitute for you as parents. Now, ultimately, these are your kids. We want our ministries to supplement your efforts to disciple them. And these ministries want to pour into your kids. Charlie wants to pour into your kids. I want to pour into your kids. Lauren wants to pour into your kids. All the volunteer workers want to pour into your kids. Jack and Belle want to pour into your kids. But they are your kids. And we'll never be able to substitute for you. Now, if all these other people are willing to pour into your kids, what does that suggest about you? Anyone want to take a stab? You can take these tools after they've been given to you, and you can walk over to a brother or sister in Christ, and you can go, would it be okay if I spent some time with your kids? We can do a little home improvement, me and you, and I want to help you. And you can take those tools and go serve somebody else's kids. Last thing that I want to share with you guys is Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. My son has this on a sign in his room on purpose. And it says, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only to his own interests, but also for the interests of others. How can you share your talent and your time with the kids of River Rock Bible Church? I want to genuinely ask you that, but I don't feel gifted to work with kids. Let me tell you something. Some of the people that worked with you didn't feel like they were gifted to work with kids, and they poured into you. Both of these ministries, both our children's and our youth ministries, would be vastly blessed to have even as much as three or four of you today to say, I'd like to volunteer in some capacity with the children's ministry or with the youth ministry. As we get ready to close here, I want you to grab your connection card. I want you to look on the back one last time. There's a box on there for discipleship. If you haven't checked that yet, you're missing the very thing Jesus told us to be doing before he left planet Earth. The one thing. You need to be discipled. You're going to hear that at our church over and over and over and over again. Check that box today and watch what happens to your life. Secondly, in a place to serve over on the other side in that box, you're going to see one that says, I'd like to volunteer with Children's Church or I'd like to volunteer with Youth Ministry. I'd like you to seriously consider checking a box there. It may take only one morning out of your month, one morning out of your month for a kid 
to show up at your funeral 30, 40, 50 years from now and say, Jeff made a difference in my life. I'll never be the same if it wasn't for that man. Changed everything for me. She showed me what it was like to walk with God. I could go through the room. I've had people that walked with me and showed me grace when I didn't deserve it. And you can be that for some kids. Let's take two.